Well, today in the program, I have a few updates that I really need to share, some thoughts about where things are heading, and to give you a little teaser of what is planned for the future of this radio program. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Well, this has been an unusual week, and next week is going to be no better if you've been following the saga, especially those that get a chance to listen to all the programs throughout the week. This past Monday, which was the 6th of February, I was supposed to have surgery, which got postponed until Friday, which is the 10th. And... And so this program is pre-recorded. It comes out for some people on Friday or Saturday or Sunday because it is the weekend edition. And I'm pre-recording this before we head out um, to go up to another town where the surgery will be done. And because it is a bit of a distance from our home, we, we try to get up there the night before so we can get up early and have a safe drive to the hospital where the surgery is done. Interstate 81 is not a bad interstate, but in the wee hours of the morning with the truck traffic, sometimes fog, it's not an easy ride. And so we we have decided for safety, we go up the night before. It's outpatient surgery, and so I'm supposed to be home by about 4 or 5 in the afternoon. And so that's the plan. And, of course, we thought the surgery was going to occur Monday. So the week before, we did all this planning to have all the programs done through through Friday, the 10th. That would give me time to have surgery, get home, have a couple of days to, to recover and, you know, feel better. And, you know, I have to wear a catheter when I first come out for a couple of days. And it's not easy to come into my office with that. And that would allow time to to heal and then get get back started doing the radio programs. And and what should have been this week is this weekend program should have been my first program for the week after recuperation. Instead, everything got tossed asunder. Jim Calhoun, my good friend, had produced three radio programs for me, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Well, we aired Monday because we were gone Monday until Monday night, even though the surgery was postponed. And so I came back to you on Tuesday and Wednesday with a new program. The program for Thursday is actually one that I had pre-recorded to air kind of as a teaser in advance of what would be this program. And Jim Calhoun, in his goodness, is recording some programs. And so he will be the guest host Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. In fact, the Tuesday and Wednesday programs are the ones that were supposed to have aired this past week. And I hope and I pray to be back with you on Thursday and Friday of this coming week. And so I want to thank all of you that have taken the time to pray for me during this time. Uh, For those that are not aware, I am dealing with what we hope and pray is still very self-contained and highly treatable bladder cancer. 
I've already had two surgeries. They're not bad. And I have a third to finish up, we hope, this time. And then, you know, we we see where things go over the months and hopefully years ahead. But with that said, one of the things that has been on my mind for, for quite a while, and ironically, even before I came into the studio to record this particular program today, my wife and I were talking about you know, how is audience response? Do you still hear from as many people? Are people still listening to the program? And the answer is, well, yes and no, and it depends. I know that's a bad answer, but it, it's a true answer. There are a number of you that are faithful listeners and have been for a long time. There are a number of you that are faithful supporters to this radio ministry, and for that, I am immensely thankful. This program wouldn't be here without those that that support it. There's a lot of work that goes into producing this particular radio program and also the airtime cost and, and what has already been invested. The program started out way back in 2020. It seems like a long time ago, 2020. Who who does it, it just seems like it anyway. And it was born out of all the the weirdness of the pandemic, the conflicting news stories, the competing narratives, companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter at the time all becoming the arbitrators of what is real and what is not, what is true and what is fake. And it turns out places like Twitter and Facebook got it wrong most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time they got it wrong. They'll never admit it. And Facebook, or which I call fascist book, is still trying to carry the water of a phony and fake and fraudulent narrative. I don't want to spend any real time on that. I've been reading, all I know is I've been reading stories and I've been reading from from really quality medical uh, organizations that have been doing intense studies for years. And they they have the definitive answer on some of the things that we were told would save us from the virus that all turned out to be nothing but a lie, nothing but an illusion. The face masking. How many, how many of you see people wearing a face mask like it's going to protect them from a virus? It, it will not. The studies are there. They've been there for, for decades. And the most intense study from the gold standard of how you do medical research has come to conclude a face mask is worthless. It doesn't protect you from anything. Even an N95 doesn't help you. Number one, you can't get them fitted correctly, which takes their efficiency down to just like a a percent or two, literally. Whenever they test one of those masks on on a mannequin, they glue it to the... Do you glue on your face mask to make sure it's fitted? And so all these studies came out to say it was a waste of time, money, and effort. It caused more problems than it solved. It destroyed kids in their education. It has been cruel to elderly in nursing homes who's, who, who, who can't even smile at each other anymore because of these insidious and cruel mandates. And you still have some ridiculous 
idiot governors, and I hate to be so blunt, I don't like to be, but I have to be, that still talk about maybe we need mask mandates in schools again. And my answer to you is, what is wrong with you? Why are you so sick in your mind? Why do you choose to believe a lie and push it on the people? Are you that much of a sadist? No amount of truth will persuade these people. They are just determined to enjoy the power. New York State's a good example. New Jersey's a good example. Michigan is a good example. California is a good example. And they don't do any better than the places that have said enough is enough and have moved on. In fact, they do worse. And so that is the real truth that we are dealing with today on that front. But how much longer can this radio program be sustained strictly on dealing with certain issues? Now, like I say, when the program began, and there was so much misinformation, and I figured that out working in emergency management. I was, be, I figured out one day I'm being asked to tell a mistruth. You know, this I'm, I'm being asked to lie. I'm doing the research. I'm looking at the data, and you're you're telling me to say this when the data says that. And I, I resigned the job. The money was great, but I had to resign because it wasn't right to be a paid liar. And so I walked away and came back home. And then God opened the door to begin this radio program. And, and during this period of time, we've talked about a number of issues. We have talked about the transgenderism. We have talked about all this weirdness of the LGBTQ community, uh, the riots. We have talked about spending. We've talked about the misinformation that is out there regarding some of the, shall we say, wars around the world. And we've tried to delve into the truth of the matters. But how long can we go just worrying about secular things? There was a need for the program to be heavily focused on the news in its early days. But over the past year, I've been feeling very much a a very strong leading that it's time to move to a different phase of this ministry. Now, what do I mean by a different phase of this ministry? The real truth in this world is found in God's word. And though I spent 50 some odd years in broadcasting, I spent 27 years in ministry, ordained later in life. And yeah, in my media work and broadcast work, I, I got involved deeply for a number of years in emergency ma- emergency management and, and even in engineering. So I'm, I'm pretty versed in a lot of fields in communications. But my first love is sharing God's word. My first love is empowering Christians into the truth and helping them find a way to survive when turbulent times come. Now, there's a mentality out there that we have nothing to worry about, and I disagree. The world has always had times of intense tribulation. Think of the Black Death in the 1300s. Think about World War II. Think about a lot of things that have happened on this planet over the last 2,000 years. There have been times of horrific, horrific 
intense, difficult times. Call it turbulent. Call it what you want. Whether these are the tribulations of the end times that we're coming into, I'm not about to say yes or no, but I want to be prepared in case it's just another turbulent time. Christianity and churches are under attack all over the Western world. All over the Western world. You see it in the United Kingdom. You see it in Canada. You see it in Australia. You see it in New Zealand. You see it in Germany. You see it in the United States. Yeah, it's coming to the United States. And how do we as Christians, number one, grow deeper in God's word? How do we have community, especially when there are places that I have been to where it is almost impossible to find a Bible-believing church? Many of the formerly empowered and Bible-believing denominations have, in many cases, abandoned the truth of God's word and are now preaching a fake and phony gospel. That is not the gospel. They become social justice warriors. Instead of preaching against sin, they're encouraging it. They're celebrating it. I don't need to spend a whole lot of time on that as well. And so where do we find the balance of today's news to be the watchman on the wall so I can tell you these things are happening? Be prepared. As long as you're made aware, as long as I do my job and tell you about the things to which you need to be concerned, that's a part of what this radio ministry needs to be. But it also needs to move to another dimension maybe even additional programming, especially on shortwave on the weekends to start, and then some audio podcasting and even video while the door is still open. Now, I'm not going to have time to get much into it today. And I kind of alluded to it yesterday. And depending on the surgery that I'm, I'm having and getting home and recuperating, over the weekend and in the first days of this coming week. I plan to come back to you on the radio and and share with you a full vision that I have. And I'll just give you the basics. Yeah, there's there's the opportunity here in in this part of Virginia for us to be able to use a small little church building in a nice quiet little neighborhood not far from the interstate. And trying to build a small church today is not easy. It's hard to get people to want to even come to church anymore. But I see that little church being more than just a little community church. Now, that'll be wonderful if it can be. But I can see a small congregation of people that God has assembled to work with me as this church becomes an outreach live and even pre-recorded on radio, shortwave and other, eventually video, and to be a way to keep us connected in these very turbulent and difficult times. To have a church, more or less, for people that have no place to go. And I'm sure there are those in other parts of the world, like in Canada and the United Kingdom, that are, that are seriously having this particular issue. And so I'll talk about it next week. I have some web pages that you'll be seeing shortly 
probably toward the end of this coming week. Now, if you believe in the work that we're doing here, would you consider supporting us financially so we can do all these things God has called us to do? And if you can, you can go to the website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. And from there, you can use the support tab and you can help us online or make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, and mail that check to Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowee, Virginia is 24319. That's 24319. And as I said, you can support us from the website as well. Once again, make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. And we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Church's Olive Harvest coming up. Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah. This is Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. We're receiving a special free gift you'll get and love in a moment. There's a mystery to the harvest of Israel. You see, the harvest at the end of the Hebrew year speaks of the end of the age. So the autumn harvest speaks about the end times. Interesting. What was the autumn harvest? Well, we had the grape harvest, which which actually the, the crushing of the grapes happened. That's a symbol of judgment. That's going to happen at the end. There's the fig tree harvest. That that That's about... Israel. Israel's called the fig tree. And then there was one more major harvest. Well, see, Israel's going to come in at the end. But that is called the olive harvest. So Paul in Romans says that you, if you're part of the church, if you're born again, you are in the olive tree, the olive tree of Israel. And so what it's saying is that at the end of the age, you see, the end of the year is when the olive harvest came into fullness. So what it means is at the end of the age, it's going to be the fullness of the harvest of the church. And you see the fullness of the church as the commonwealth of Israel, the church coming back to its roots, believers coming back to their Jewish roots in the Lord and salvation spreading to the earth as it was in the beginning. You see, the church is Jewish and everyone who's born again is a child of Abraham. You're a child of Abraham. You're a royal priest. You're a citizen of Israel. So listen, enjoy, get into the deep roots of the olive tree because you are of the olive tree of Israel and the end times, which is now, is the time of the olive harvest. Want more? Ask for the mystery harvest on CD. Now, how'd you like to receive special teachings and daily meditations with the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus for victory for every day of your week and also updates on Israel and prophecy, a free subscription to Sapphires and the incredible Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD, all free, yours free. How? Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you call it, you dial it, that's it. So just write down 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed with your free gifts, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me now in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to his ancient people and reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. The farthest way you can ever spread the gospel through shortwave radio. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. 
Yeshua One. That's Y E S H U A One. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, 07644. That's the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is John the Khan saying, Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Hasar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. We went to the break a little bit early because I have something that I that I want to share in this segment. As I mentioned in the first part of the program, God has been really talking to my heart about his work and his ministry and his calling on my life and what the direction this program needs to take. It's time to move on from some of the stories that have occupied our attention for almost two and a half, little over two and a half years. And while some of those stories need to be looked at from time to time, it's time to stop dwelling on them. Most of you that listen on a regular basis to this program have already figured out the truth. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Back in August of this past year, God has been speaking to my heart that he was going to have this veil of truth pulled back where many would see what is going on. And I really believe that veil is being pulled back. Look what happened to Twitter. Look what is happening in so many organizations where they're having to backtrack on things that they claimed were true before. And then we need all kind of diversions so you don't notice. In other words, we were right. We've been proven right, even though I can remember Facebook and Twitter, you know, shutting me down and saying, you can't say that, having the accounts restricted, all of it. And everything we said then is now true today. But enough of worrying about those kind of matters. There are things that are more important. You can get all the news you want, all the videos you want. You can go to Rumble for your videos and you can get every opinion out there. You you can watch all the news pundits you want on so-called conservative news channels every night if you want. But how many of them are sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Not many. Sure, we need to talk about some of these issues. But we need to talk about more important things. What is the solution? It isn't the ballot box. It isn't getting the right candidates in office. It is changing people one person at a time with the good news of the gospel. And building communities in places where there's no community. And this is where radio and even online, as long as the door is open, is going to be very important. And so that's why I'll be telling you about a church project next weekend. But for now, I want to take you back to 2018 to a church service in Florida where I was a guest speaker. And it's amazing what God laid in my heart then 
is much of what we're seeing occurring in our world today. But it comes out of God's word, so it is rather prophetic. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning with the thoughts that you have placed upon my heart, I pray that your Holy Spirit empower me to say all that you would have me to say, that your word be multiplied and be blessed as it goes through this place. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. I read a story this morning that someone shared that really fits where this message is going to go today. It is a story about a Muslim girl living in a country in Africa that is Muslim-dominated. And as a young child entering toward her teenage years, she was so devout and had such a hatred for Christians that she would steal Bibles to destroy them whenever she had the chance. She would do anything to make a Christian's life miserable because she thought she was doing an honorable service to her God. She went on to high school, went on to the university, graduated, got a very prestigious job with the Radio and Television Commission of her nation, married into a prominent family, and everything was great. She was a true follower of her God and prophet and had this despising notion about Christians as the infidel. She recounts a story one night in their bedroom, she and her husband. There was this sudden wind and noise and clamor. And she heard, literally, the voice of the Lord call out to her. Her husband never heard a sound. But she was shaken to the core. She tried to understand what just happened. The husband's going, I didn't hear anything. Go back to bed. She tried to understand what she knew she heard, felt, and saw. This was on a Friday after Friday prayers. Saturday, she kept thinking about this, and on Sunday, she figured a way to sneak out and go to church. Well, that was a mistake. Her husband beat her for even going to a church when he found out. But she ended up giving her life to the Lord because of this encounter. And for the next many years, I'm not going to go into all the detail, the suffering she went through, the beating she went through, being put in jail, being divorced, being chased down, being threatened to be killed, became her life. She operates a ministry now for those that are exiting the Muslim faith as they become believers in Jesus Christ and their lives are under peril and threat each and every day. 
And it's not just limited to Islamic religions. There are others that are equally as hated toward, or hateful toward Christians. Early in my ministry, I was, before I took a church in Florida, I had a mission church in North Carolina. I actually had two. I would do one early and then one a little later. And when we opened our doors of this mission church north of Charlotte and Salisbury, I had this one lady come to church one day. She was, shall we say, a very lapsed Episcopalian. And she had heard about this church that used the old prayer book, and she, she really felt she needed to do something in her life, and so she decided to come. Now, in her story, she was born and raised in, in the United States, and she had married a guy from India when she was abroad, who is a devout Hindu. And they now live together in Salisbury, been married for many, many years. And she, because of him being a Hindu, just kind of pushed her Christianity aside, which is surprising how easy it is for Americans to do, but she did. And eventually her conscience got the better of her, so she started to come to church. He was actually a pretty nice guy about it. And he started to show up with her just to be nice to his wife. One day after the service, he wanted to talk to me for a few minutes. And he asked me this pointed question, what must I do to be saved? The message had clicked. And I told him how easy it was, faith is so simple. And we discussed it. And then his wife approached me and said, my husband wants to be baptized and he wants to make a public profession of acceptance of Jesus Christ. But you realize that when he does, his family in India will disown him like he is dead. His mother and dad are still living, but he'll have a mother and dad no longer. He has brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles. As far as they're concerned, he died in America. He will have to give up his family for the cause of Christ. That very next Sunday, we had the first baptism of that church. Had the font set up in the front so everybody could see. Normally, you do it from the back as the entry, but he wanted to make and give his testimony of how over the course of a couple of months in that church, coming with his wife, who had been the errant Episcopalian who finally decided to come back to the fold, she was the one, he was the one that received the greatest benefit. Our epistle today in 1 Peter says a story that the American Christians do not want to hear. Do not talk to me about fiery trials and persecutions and things not being good. I don't want to hear any of that. I want the happy Christianity with the light show that I can go see whenever I feel it's in my time that I can, I can make the time to go see it. He's saying, do not be surprised by the fiery trials that are going to come into your life. People will hate you, despise you. There are other parts of the scripture that says people that want to kill you will think they're doing the world a great service. American Christianity is dead. 
American Christianity is cheap, grace, and worthless. It's all about what's in it for me. Today's megachurches are nothing more than pornographic entertainment centers with light shows. And people are being, they're in a church a mile wide and a quarter inch deep in the depth of their faith. And that's why when the trials of life hit these people, they go into panic mode. They don't even go, they don't know what to do. And their church can't help them because they're so busy with the happy gospel. We don't know how to deal with trial and tribulation. And as the pastor and leader of those churches go, so goes the church. If he fails as a leader, the church fails and shuts down. It's about the cause of Christ, not the person that's preaching. I get more and more upset the older I get. I promised when I was younger in my 30s I would never turn to that mean old man. But I'm doing it. And it's not so much that I'm mean. It's not so much that I'm angry. Yeah, there's a righteous anger. It's I'm looking at the world walking off a cliff blindly. We let into our homes. I said this to my wife this morning. We let into our homes the most deprived, disgusting things off cable and satellite that come into our eyes, ears, and minds. Our kids are exposed to 10, 20, 30, 60 hours a week of this stuff between their devices, the TV set, and computers. And then they're too tired to go to church on Sunday. Oh, the angels have got too much on their plate. They're being filled with the world. They're being filled with the world. The Bible says, be not of this world. Be separate from this world. What is it about the American Christian that can't understand that concept? We want to be all the worldly things we can get. We want to be accepted by the world. We're willing to forsake a church on a Sunday morning to do something worldly. It's not number one. If, if Christ isn't number one, he's nothing. If Christ is not number one in your life, he has no part of your life. This is the problem with the American church. We compartmentalize our lives in such a way <laughs> that, well, we put church in that little box right there, and we can't talk about that. We might offend somebody. There's a great hymn I remember as a child. Jesus, and it shall ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee. But how many people that claim the name of Christ are ashamed of Christ? How many people, how many people would give up their relationship for Jesus Christ, so they claim to have, for a promotion, a better job or opportunity? There are a lot of them that would. I can remember, and I saw this in my own family. My grandparents were very stoic Christians that lived the faith. 
And I have a sister, God love her, but she's kind of, how do I put it, more into the world than, than into Christ. Hadn't been in church in decades. She and her husband have lived a very good and financially rewarded life in what they've done career-wise. That they are self-sustained. I've watched the daughters she had grow up to, they've never been involved. They know nothing about the faith. Yet, in difference to my grandparents, my sister decided because of my grandparents' insistence that the children be baptized. Now, my grandparents were getting on in age. And so it was done at their house. We had a home baptismal service. And my heart knew then that the day that they drive back to their home in Maryland, that's the end of it for the church. The next time my sister was in a church was 20, well, about 18 years later when I was ordained to the priesthood because we did that up in Maryland so my grandmother could be there. She was in her mid-90s. We moved it from Georgia to Maryland. That shows how much church life, because it's inconvenient. I need my time, my space. You know, what we don't understand, if you ever read some of the early church fathers, if you read about some of the early saints of God, you know what used to get them angry? You know what angered some of the early saints? Why am I not being persecuted and martyred? Am I not good enough, Lord, to catch the attention of those and be dragged into the street for my faith? That's a far cry from where we are today. There are places in this world, I know, I do a radio show that reaches to far places around the world and I get the emails. There are places in the world that being a Christian will truly cost you. The only thing it costs you in America is your time. And we can't even give that anymore. Like I say, the American church has been deceived by the author of lies himself. That church is all about me. It's all about me. You know, when I preach here in this church, there's one thing, unless you've looked around the building, as I look out down the aisle, look at that picture in the back. Look at that picture in the back. Jesus on the cross. He gave it all for me. He loved me with a love. He loves you with a love. He wants to receive you as his own. I get so furious at the prosperity preachers that are out there. Just sow a seed in my ministry and I will bless you with a new house and a new Mercedes like I got. I am so sick of those that look at the world around them and try to follow the wave of the current of all the things going wrong in the world. They're the prophets of God, spelled P-R-O-F-I-T-S. Whatever happened to genuine faith? 
Whatever happened to save by grace, by faith? Whatever happened to knowing that God can take me through the bad times instead of trying to avoid the bad times? Where did it all go? It's gone. I'm going to close with this thought. I, has anybody ever heard of what's called the Babylon Bee? Have you ever online? Anybody ever heard of that one? It's, it's, a sat, it's a Christian satire site. I love it. It is one of the funniest, well-written, and poignant little sites I've ever seen. The Babylon Bee. It's a Liberty University graduate that put this thing together. And this gal can follow the trends in society, the church, and everything else. And she has some of the greatest articles. And they're funny. There was one that was extremely funny, but unfortunately 100% true. It says mainline denominations now are considered a safe space from the gospel. Like Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians. Safe place from the gospel. You don't have to worry about the gospel anymore. It's a safe place. You're not going to be having somebody preach about sin. You're not going to hear about anything bad. So they are now a safe place from the gospel. And I thought about that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And they wonder why they continue on this rapid decline. Presbyterians, once 5 million, down, down to 2 million. Lutherans, down about a million over the last 20 years. Episcopalians, about half in the last 25. Because they've cheapened the message of God. The fire and the power of God and the Holy Spirit is gone. Book of Revelation says the lampstand may be taken. There are a lot of missing lampstands in America today. And they've replaced it with a light show. They can never have the Shekinah glory of God. In the years that I have in my life, there's a message to get out to the world. I can't reach all of it. I can't reach 10% of it. I can't even reach 1% of it. But whatever slice that God puts in front of me, I will work to reach. And that becomes job one without fail. To me, when I think of that hymn, ashamed of Jesus shall it never be, a mortal man ashamed of thee. I never want to apologize for my Christ. I never want to say, well, you know, that's just the church thing that I'm supposed to do, but you know, it's not really. What does the Bible say? If you deny me before others, I shall deny you before my Father. We forget that aspect of Scripture. But it is so important that we, the remnant of the church, can be, as St. Paul said, I joy in my sufferings. John said, I joy in my sufferings. Peter, I joy in my sufferings. They all did. And God carried them through. My middle name is Stephen, spelled like the first martyr of the church. I was actually born Robert Lee Erickson, 
But when I was adopted, the Robert stayed and the middle name changed. All of us had a biblical name added somewhere. And mine was Stephen. And, you know, I kept thinking, that's kind of a weird choice. You know, you're the guy that just got started as a deacon and he get, gets killed. You know, not a great ending. Why can't he be like Paul or, or John or, you know, name one of them, Barnabas, some great person that did a lot. Oh, this guy gets cut off of the knees before he gets started. But the greatest thing about Stephen, a man full of grace and full of the Holy Spirit, would not back down when given a chance. He could have saved himself like all the Christians. All the apostles that were martyred for the faith could have easily escaped death if they just said, no, Christ didn't rise from the dead. That's all I had to say. They could have been walking the face of the earth till they were old men. But they didn't. But as Stephen is giving up his life on this earth, he's getting that wonderful gift the scripture says he's already seeing into the windows of heaven. And he's full of joy and proclaiming, forgive them. Don't hold, do not hold this sin against them as he was ushered into the presence of an almighty God. We live in a truly dangerous world. And it's time that the church recognize it's a dangerous world. It's time that we recognize that there are more important things in life than, than something on HBO, Cinemax, Netflix, it's funny how many people will make an hour available to catch a TV show that find it so inconvenient to find their way to a church. I'm as guilty as anybody in my younger years. I did it for a while, too. God got a hold of me one day. And I remember the day. I started out this pathway in my life as a child, I was given all the advantages of a parochial school all the way through the eighth grade. Lived in a very small community in upstate New York. We were very active in our church in Long Island, extremely active in our church. Big church. I went to church two or three times on a Sunday because I was in the choir. When I first moved to Georgia, I was still going to church. And somewhere along the way in my radio career, I was too tired one Sunday. And it was easy to sleep in. And before you know it, I found over the next, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years, I had disjointed myself conveniently from the church. It wasn't something that I just did one day I just allowed the things of the world to take dominance in my life. And one day, maybe five, six, seven years into this, seven years into this, I woke up one night, couldn't sleep. May have been a Friday night, could have been a Saturday morning, I can't remember. But I felt this awful burden on my heart. I felt like God had just put his hand on my shoulder and was pushing down hard, shaking me, wake up, 
listen to what I have to say. If anybody has ever heard my story, I was placed for adoption when I was one year of age. And I'm not sure if I've ever shared this or not with this congregation. Some of you never heard this, but I'm going to make it very brief. I was conceived in California, born in Brooklyn. That's a long way. And my mother tried to keep me for a while, but you know, the pressures in 1954, you just don't do that. And she had no way of doing it. Her father, my grandfather, was not thrilled about this idea. So there was always a problem and an angst. And when she first came back to Brooklyn before I was born, nobody cared about her because of the, that's just the way the things were in that day. And I met my biological mother, by the way, spent time with her back in the late 80s when I found her. And she related this story to me. She said, I was sitting in front of the house one day, feeling like it's the end of the world. What am I going to do? Nobody wants to associate with me. I have no friends. My father's angry. Nobody cares about me. And she said, I just didn't know what to do about you. And all of a sudden, this young lady appeared and sat down next to her right there in front of their brownstone house on the steps and introduced herself. And my mother says it was the strangest countenance about this person I've ever seen. She was young, very pretty, and why is she spending time with me? For the next four months, that gal moved into the house and took care of my mother, was made sure that she got to the hospital so I could be delivered in birth. Strangely, the grandfather had no trouble with her being there. And she said, after you were born, she pressured me to make sure you were baptized as soon as possible. She would not let that go. And so I went down to the Salem Danish Evangelical Lutheran Church around the corner, and we went in to talk to the guy who, by the way, I ended up talking to in 1988 in the process of trying to locate her, who said, I remember your baptism. We had a strange rule. We would never do an outside baptism. You're the only one I ever did. Something just said, I have to do it. When this person came in with your mother, I knew I had to, and I did, did it privately the ne very next Sunday after church. Never forget that as long as I live. The day I was baptized, Lee disappeared off the face of the earth, never to be seen again. That was her name. And that was my middle name, Robert Lee Erickson. Because of this person, I really believe that where I ended up was so different than where I should have been. The intervention of God's people in somebody's life can make a difference. And in spite of my stubborn ways in my younger years, God got a hold of me and jerked me back and planted me out into a Bible college and then from a Bible college into the ministry. And in these last few years, I've been doing a lot less ministry than I should be doing. I'm busy trying to make ends meet, so things have got to change. It's welling up inside of me. I have to.
to answer that calling. Jesus, I am not ashamed of you because you were never ashamed of me. You receive me unto your own as your son, as you receive all of us as your sons and daughters. Heavenly Father, may we learn the things that are important. May we put aside the things we deem urgent and rest our peace in you. For this we ask in your name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some call it progress and we must conform or we will be left by the change. This new world religion serves the God of their choice but salvation still comes in one name. That name is Jesus the sweet rose will share Creation will thunder his name. That name is Jesus, the sweet rose of Sharon, spotless and pure.
Well, our time is just about up for this particular program and for today. I want to thank you for listening to Truth to Ponder. I also pray the message you heard meant something to you and maybe stirred something in you. Maybe it's time for a change in your life. Maybe it's time to be less of this world and realize we are in this world, but not of this world. We're not going to fix it with man-made systems and politics. It is fixed by the power of God's Holy Spirit in dwelling in the hearts and the minds of his people. It's that simple. And just knowing that turbulent times and times of tribulation can come, we need to be more prepared. Think back to 2020. How many churches in December of 2019 would ever have envisioned being shut down for days, weeks, and in many cases, months or longer? And how many people would be scared to ever return to a church? How many churches closed their doors for good because they were unprepared and they feared a virus more than they feared God? These are things we have to contend with. These are things that we need to deal with. And these are things we're going to need to be prepared to see over and over again as the days and months march on. We've been warned there could be other pandemics. So don't think that this one is behind us for the next hundred years. And many are trying to keep this one alive longer. That's why I've got the church project. That's why there are several things that, depending on how things work out this past Friday and how I recuperate, I plan to give you a complete update on on Thursday and Friday of this coming week. I, I feel very empowered that there's going to be a huge change in this ministry. I need people that can help me get this program together. I need people that can do some research, and I'm praying that people in this part of Southwest Virginia are hungry for the good news and are wanting to be in a small little church home where we can gather and then be a church that others can participate in, even at a great distance, by radio and even online. If you believe in our mission and ministry, this would be a good time to let me know you're listening. You can go to our website, truth2ponder.com. You can write us. You can even support us from there. Or use our regular mailing address, which is Ancient Word Radio. And that's where you make the check payable to if you're giving us support. Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, And the zip code is 24319. That's 24319. And we'll see you next week. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder. Shining the light of truth in a darkening world.